0: another edition of the daily next podcast make sure you strap up your tims on today's episode we'll be talking about the number one thing we're talking about is a free agency uh what are we going to expect coming this sunday who do we expect to be on the roster and what exactly will this team look like coming opening day and yeah got my boy john in here we're just gonna sit back and chop up about it what's going on man how are you i'm great how are you how are you doing there
1: um you know uh i like I said, i just I just got done recording a pie with Chris Eisman, um who covers the team, and he's like, I would advise everybody to just go out and get off Twitter and like get out of the house if you can if you're off from work already, it's like what three o'clock um for the next two days until it's you know five thirty or or whatever six o'clock on Sunday night, and I thought that was good advice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, man. I agree. I saw your guy JB got suspended. That might have been, you know, I'm telling us all to chill off. Yeah,
1: talk about yeah. timing, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was some old some old copyright stuff, but we're we're working on it and uh, hopeful that uh, it's a it's a short term. Yeah, don't thing. worry. It'll be so poetic that
0: he's the person that breaks the news as soon as his Twitter account gets uh, gets unhacked. That uh, Kevin Durant's coming to the next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, like like you said, we can start about just like the reports. And for me, like, I knew once June, I guess, 10th, 12th, basically kind of when the finals ended. And this was just going to be what we we're going to talk about the entire time. And I've gone from, I've stayed steady, I guess, mostly just because I haven't allowed the white noise, good or bad, to affect my uh, personal standings of, of how I view this team. Okay. Um, they're smart. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know. I feel like I'm not in, I'm the minority. I don't feel like a lot of people are like me. Like I said before, I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but I was talking to this on one podcast or whatever. There's only, and I truly believe, there's only one way to screw this up. One way, and unfortunately, it's for being reported about the multiple ways that the Knicks can, can screw it up, and that's by signing guys like Terry Rozier and. Um Harrison Bars I don't know if you saw but Sacramento oh, will him 90 million
1: dollars it's that's it's a staggering amount of money Um and it, I saw it because I actually I wrote about this you know yesterday for for our newsletter and I was like you know tip, like fans I, I think the same way as you I'm like that. the only way you screw it up is by signing bad contracts and I think sometimes though we we conflate um long-term contracts that may even be for, you know, a, a little bit of money with bad contracts. And it's just, you know, and the reason we do that is because it, it, you look back through the history of free agency, the last 10, 15, 20 years. And it's like, yes, most of the deals that are four-year deals. And back when you could make five year well, you could still do five-year deals if you're resigning with your own team. Like most of them are bad, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that a long-term contract has to be a bad deal now do i think harrison barnes for 90 million dollars is not the best expenditure of assets absolutely um but it just it reminded me of that and the thought that like it's not the concept that's itself is flawed it's the way the concept is executed and the fact that teams most of the time can't help themselves yeah i agree it's just like it's
0: money in their hand is burning and they think they have to spend it um throughout the time. But we can we can dive into the most I guess I the thing that got me the most irate, even though I've been trying to keep my hands away from believing everything, is the DeMarcus Cousins piece. Now, before I go off on this, the first thing I'll say is I do not believe this is gonna happen. Not not one chance. There hasn't been any inkling of Scott Perry or Steve Mills being this stupid. Now I will say Steve Mills signed Tim Hardaway Jr. But I don't believe that they will go down this route. So I'm With curious, that, what,
1: what don't you like about – about? do you just don't, don't like him as a player or so – uh, So I'll say two parts. A, yeah. I
0: never was a fan of him as a player. Okay. But besides that, like I think this would be a horrible idea because, A, why would the Knicks sign a player who forget the fact that he has two extreme lower body injuries – He's 29 years old. He's over 300 pounds. He's terrible with the media. He isn't as good as he used to be. He only put up good stats on a bad team, except for what two months with New Orleans, and then they got better without him. Besides all of that, the idea that you are going to sign someone to take minutes away from your best player makes no sense. Now. I started seeing someone try to say, like, oh, this will be like Anthony Davis and him, where you put Mitch and him together. That's a horrible idea. Mitch is best around the rim. So one of two things are gonna one of three things gonna happen. A, Mitch will have to play on the perimeter, which I'm not saying he can't play on the perimeter, but it's going to be a lot easier to get to the rim if he's in the on the perimeter and DeMarcus is in the paint. Same thing if you flip-flop them. If Mitch is in the paint. It's a lot easier to get around DeMarcus, and then you just have Mitch come up to contest the shot. And you just do another pass. You have an open three-point shot that we saw all season around. Then the third thing is okay. You have to put Mitch on the bench, which I don't have to tell you why that's even dumber. So everything from the one year, the money, there's no benefit from the Knicks signing DeMarcus Cousins. Um, so
1: it's I'll I'll say this of the of the three names, I guess well. Four names now, because I'll throw Bobby Portis in there. Although um, I, I'll put that in a different cat category. The three prominent names that I think have gotten the most attention from from Knicks fans have been Rozier, uh Cousins, and and Randall. Um, I, I, I'm gonna say this with a caveat: assuming that it is, it would only be one year for Cousins. I of those, I don't. I'm not particularly in love with any of those three. As, you know, as opposed to some other like less uh, sexy options like um, Thad Young, um, Derek Favors, assuming, you know, he hits the open market, Um, you know, even a guy like Taj Gibson, I know the spacing would be terrible and he's probably not the ideal starter alongside Mitch either. But just like I think there's some some other options out there that are just they're not they're not sexy at all. Um, Even Marcus Morris to a certain extent, but I think someone's going to pay him a lot of money and, and give him years. Aside from those, I actually mind cousins less than Randall and Rozier, and and the only reason really, I really that's it, surprising. Yeah, and here's here's why. Um, I for one, it's it would only be one year, so then it's like, okay, what what's the purpose of the signing? Like that's what you have to ask yourself ultimately, because if, if the purpose of it seems like if if they're making whether it's you know Boogie or Randall or Rozier whoever the signing is they're making the signing because they have been spurned by the best free agents and have basically been sent a message like look we like we may like what you guys are doing here but we can't we can't take like when I to say we I mean like the uh KD's and and Kawhi's of the world we can't take the leap that you're automatically going to you know be a competent team on the basketball court so they need to prove that they could do that so whatever you think about what has to happen this summer or next season they need to be better next year um i don't think there's there's any question about that so then it's like okay well how do you get better and then you look at what's left on the free agent market and you could argue that you know cousins is you know maybe the most talented player that you could get on a short term deal now obviously anybody who's ever watched basketball knows that talent does not necessarily equal the right fit and that's That's, I guess, where I disagree a little bit because I think on offense, it would work fine. Um, Cousins could shoot, I think. But again, there's a lot of risk, right? Like, so, you know, no, Cousins and Mitchell Robinson shouldn't be on the floor at the same time if Cousins is going to, you know, use his usual, like, low post stuff and, like, be all, you know, down around the basket constantly if he is okay with having just a few post-ups a game, but the rest of the time he's like operating from the high post, a la, you know, Nikola Jokic in Denver, and they tried to almost make him like the fulcrum of the offense. Then I actually think on offense, it would work fine. You put Mitch in the dunker spot, or, you know, you could do, you could even run high pick and roll with Mitch and cousins and like, you know, just hunt mismatches. And it's like, you could do some fun stuff there. I think the, I think the, the, obviously the much tougher question is on defense when, you know, cousins, he can't defend fours. He, he would have to defend five. So then, like you said, you're essentially asking Mitchell Robinson to play the Anthony Davis role on defense. And I'm high as high on Mitchell Robinson's potential as, the, as, as anybody. I don't know if he's ready for that. Um, to be, you know, cause Davis in that defense, when they played together, he almost operated almost like a free safety, you know, like, hunting for steals and blocks and things around the perimeter a little bit or whatever, like, could Mitch get there? Sure. Um, is he ready to get there right now? I, I don't know. And I think it would be, you'd be taking a bit of a risk. Um, that said, the reason ultimately why I'm okay with it is, you know, they're only going to be playing together. They would only be playing together like 10, 12 minutes a game. Cause if you just parse out the minutes, start the game and the half, start the third quarter together, four minutes here, there, there. Um, and then the rest of the time they're staggered. You could get them both 25 to 30 minutes a night. And honestly, cousins at this point in his career, he should probably only be playing 25 to 35 minutes a night. So look, is it a risk? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive risk. He, that's a guy that could come in and blow up your locker room. I mean, he's done it before, but one, I think that's why you hire a coach like David Fisdale. He's, you know, he's, had to deal with you know a lot of egos in miami um and two if it's cousins again on a one-year deal that's why i think the one-year deal part of it's so so important he has a chance to enter next summer as literally the best free agent on the market like they're assuming you know things go well in 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 la with davis and like Kawhi signs for more than one year um Cousins has it in him to like be like the guy on the market and he could have teams fighting over him if he plays well this year and if he stays on his best behavior so I oh, gun to my head is he my first choice or second or third choice no but if they did it I would not be as apoplectic as I think some would uh, I'll, I'll say that but is it a risk absolutely 100% it's a risk so you know what's actually crazy
0: and then I think we have, this is this is us just talking about the team in itself. I actually disagree with the fact that you think a one-year deal is a good thing because if everything you said goes, goes goes like you said, right, he comes in, he's on his best behavior, you know, he plays like Jokers, which I think he could play like an unathletic kind of big guy, but we've seen, you know, Jokers play like that. Unless the Knicks add like a team option to this, then I am all the way out because there's no there's no benefit for us if he comes in balls out and then he's like all right i'm just gonna dip then it's like and if we win let's say they win let's say 35 games and like let's say they're ninth, they just missed the playoffs right and he, ha- he plays great everyone takes a step forward then there's pressure to re-sign this guy and then it's like all right well if he doesn't want to re-sign and then if another team's gonna have kind of max space now you don't know 2020 is a ways away. You don't know how much people are going to spend their money this season. And, you know you don't know about 2020, 2021 season. However, I think the Knicks lose all of their leverage if they give him one year. Now, if they give him a two-year and a team option, then okay, maybe we can actually discuss. But again, I, I can't believe we're actually discussing about this Mark Cousin on the team. <laughs> I don't want him on the team. But-
1: <laughs> no, and I, listen, I don't I, – look, it's not – it's not a move that, like I said, isn't without some serious risk. The only two things I'll just throw in there are: one, the only danger you have with a team option is, and we saw this with uh, Nikola Mirotic, uh, not last season but the season before. Um, it essentially gives you a de facto no-trade clause because the team that would be um, trading for you, could, if like the. I'm not getting into the technicality of it, but basically you have the right to block a trade unless the team trading for you, um, says like guarantees the second year of the contract. And I think part of the value of getting cousins would be to use him potentially, um, as a trade chip to a contender in the middle of the year, which I think would absolutely be on the table, which is another reason why I'd be in favor of a one year signing. So then if you're talking about signing it for two years, I guess I wouldn't hate that. Um, but the the only other thing I just want to say is he's like, let's say he balls out. He's going to want his, his, his money. He's going to want to get paid. Um, they would still, even, even though they wouldn't have any bird rights, assuming that the one year figure was at like an insane dollar amount, they'd still be able to offer their 120% of that number, um, you know, and, and, and like kind of hold on to his rights. So it's not like they would definitely lose him, but I, like you said, you don't need to spend a lot of time with DeMarcus Cousins. If, if if we were asking Knicks fans a month ago, like, hey, how would you feel if DeMarcus Cousins, even on a one-year deal, was the name you came out of the summer with? You know, people would probably be, um, you know, looking to, uh, I don't know, ingest lots of rubbing alcohol. Or some <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. I know. I, I, he, got, he, got 15, he got 15 minutes of this podcast, which is crazy. Yes, it um, is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, so I guess we could now just shift to now, like, the overall fact of the, like the reporting that's been happening, sure, throughout. So, um, me my, my buddy, my boy Zach, he's a Nets fan. He comes on this podcast, and we kind of like go back and forth just about like our like the Knicks, and he talks about the Nets, and it's good because I I don't hate the Nets. I think a lot of their fans are getting weird, the ones that are you know exist. Um, <laughs> but I do I do this this like idea that like everyone now in the media is like. I don't want to say pushing, but it definitely feels that all of a sudden now the Nets are now the hot team that Kevin Durant should quote unquote go to because of a bunch of a bunch of you know whatever things. I hate Dolan, the Knicks or whatever, it's easy to make fun of, you know, it's whatever. And, you know, you see it. Like I don't know if you saw what Andre um sure, yeah. said. That's a- everyone, yeah, everyone ran with the fact that he thought he was dissing the Knicks. No, he was just more making a kind of a joke. And he was talking about his play, like the people on his team and people just ran with that. And he had to go out there and be like, y'all are just clout chasers. Like, so my idea is like, how have you felt like just the last, I would say two weeks is just how like the coverage of this free agency, particularly with the Knicks has gone.
1: Um, I think, I think overall it's, it's been okay. You know, I mean, when you're talking about like coverage I mean there's been there's been some um you know, as as the rumors have turned towards the Nets, there's been some of the uh, you know, haha, the Knicks traded away their their best player in thirty years for cap space that they're gonna use on on terrible players. Well, yeah, that's an easy joke to make, but if you actually think for more than um Fifteen seconds about the situation, you know, and have a, a longer discussion about it. Um, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. And I'm not saying there isn't an argument on on for people who say that they they should have kept him or they should have done that situation differently. But um, I, as far as the Nets go, I mean, look, I pe- fans get mad at me because I I think what the Nets are doing is great, um, and I think that they buried themselves out of a hole. Um, that no, arguably no franchise has ever put themselves in going back to like maybe the eighties with, with the Cavs, when they traded, they, you know, they had to change the frigging rules of the draft to prevent their owner from trading away picks in consecutive years. Um, and they did a good job and they, they, they were opportunistic and they brought in a coach that developed a system that they, and they went out and found players that could fit well in that system. Um, you know, they took a distressed asset in D'Angelo Russell and turned him into an all-star. It's a, you know, kudos to them. I think Lavert's really good. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting that we, we talk about what the Nets have built and how what they've built is attractive to these free agents. And yet, if you look at their playoff rotation of those eight guys, um, half of them um including the best player in D'Angelo Russell would be gone uh, to make room for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, that being said, if Irving and Durant decide to go there, well, you know what? Uh, apparently they're they they care more about the mirage of what they've built than the actual nuts and bolts of it. Um I I overall though, I, I haven't been mad at the coverage. I I think if they don't get anybody, um it's going to get ugly and there's going to be some real, there's going to be a lot of Christophs Porzingis revisionist trade history. There's going to be a lot of anti dolan stuff out there. Like as long as he, he owns the team, nobody's ever going to come. And I'm not saying that that's not a conversation that shouldn't take place. Um, but I mean, if you look at where the Knicks were at this season when they traded Christophs and like where they're at right now, it's like, All we've ever wanted as fans is people who run the organization, um, run the team specifically to, to have a process and have that process be sound and have like, like, for instance, again, you could hate the Boogie Cousins idea, but the idea of like, all right, we're going to bring in a really talented guy for one year as opposed to four years. And try to, like, we're reacting to the market. The market dictates to us that we need to be better as a basketball team. So what are we going to do? We're going to try to get better as a basketball team without committing long-term money to something that might not work out. Like, there's a process here now. And then they're sticking to that process. And I know I sound like a PR agent for the Knicks, but the fact is there's not a single move that I could point to that they've made over the last two years, you know, since the Hardaway contract, that's like, I could say is like a bad move or a terrible move on its face. Like, not everything has worked out, but i'm you know i feel okay i feel good um they just have to not do anything stupid <laughs> <Easily> <laughs> yeah I, I think that's everyone's like
0: oh yeah they just don't have to do anything stupid um yeah no like for me i because i already know like i i know that and i'm not this dude who's like oh you're just anti this or anti that but there's people who stick to talk to talking points it's like a good talking point when you talk about the NBA is to make fun of the Knicks. It just—it just, it's, it's easy,
1: and it, it does easy. get like, – Yeah, it doesn't it take a sucks.
0: lot of work. It's like you want to cut your teeth in the media. It's like that's just a way to do it. But when people do that, the thing that gets me frustrated is when I look at like actual basketball people, and they don't actually look at like the minutia of like what happens and like, yeah – James Dolan's there. Yes, we all accept. No one here is defending that James Dolan is the best owner. I will argue that I don't believe ownership is much in play as to get and or keep friends. I mean, Boston, y'all keep telling me they have a great uh, owner and their two best players are about to leave. So do they have a bad owner now? Do they have a bad front office? No, but everyone likes Boston. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's easier to, to come up with that. But they had a bad season and their two best players are going to leave. But no one's calling Danny Ames
1: bad. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, look around the league. Um, Tillman Fertitta, a guy that bought the Rockets and um, was cheap about, you know, financing a team that should have been the second best team in the league this year, um, head and shoulders. And he didn't want to pay Trevor Ariza, and Trevor Ariza was gone, and then they tried to do it on the cheap with James Ennis, and they ended up ditching James Ennis for, for cost saving purposes. And then they ended up losing in the second round to a warrior team that by all rights, they, they should have beaten without Kevin Durant, you know, um, where's like, there's no, there's no pitchforks for, for his head. Um, like you just said, what you said about Boston, um, an allegation came out yesterday that the Mavericks hired a a literal sex offender to be a scout, uh, for them. And yet, you know, everybody loves Mark Cuban. He's a nice exactly. guy. He's Prittance. fun, yeah, fun guy. You know, it's all good. Bob Myers just—I as we were recording this, um, I, I forget. I think Mark Stein may have reported. Yeah, signed it. a new deal with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, that's and he yeah. potentially could have cost the best player in the league a year of his prime. For a year, for the man, literally altered the course of NBA history by sending a guy onto the court that by all rights and accounts was poised to retire as one of the 10 greatest players to ever play. And if you don't believe me look up the stats and the numbers and the accolades and all that, he was on his way and now he's going to essentially miss two years of his career because the second year is going to be rough. And then who knows what he is after that? None of these people. um, And obviously we could point, you know, elsewhere to other, other examples. None of these people get half of the grief. That Dolan gets. And like you said, I'm not going to sit here and defend James Dolan. He is, by all accounts, one of the least self-aware individuals on the face of the earth, let alone within the NBA. He says stupid things that he shouldn't say. He is um, petty. He is um, holds grudges where they shouldn't be held. Why he hasn't just come out all these years later and just said, you know what? We screwed up with the whole Annika Brown-Saunders thing, and I feel terrible for that lady, and I wish that never would have happened no he still defends you know like so there are faults to be be pointed at but for everybody not to recognize the simple fact that his ire usually gets directed at the media and the media whether we like it or not crafts narratives like if you're ignoring that then i'm sorry man you're 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 sticking your your head in the sand um so it, again is he a would it be better if there was, you know, if they had? I'm trying to think of a good owner, um, you know, Mickey Arison or sure. uh, Bob, you know, Bob Holt in, in San Antonio. Uh, I think his first name is Bob. I apologize if it's not Mr. Holt. Whatever, I'll yeah.
0: call him Mr. Holt. But um, again, but here's the thing. Even but that's that's the key thing too. We can't even name probably ten owners in the league right now. We probably can't. I mean, maybe you can because you're such a nerd. I might be able to get to nine or ten. <laughs> no, I, I,
1: I honestly don't. I could probably name about 15. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But here's the thing. None of them are as famous as Dolan because he owns a team in New York. And whether everyone wants to like it or not, the the people who cover his team, they they certain people feel a certain way about him, and they write about the team in large part due to their ignorance against him. Now, again, if if I was in their shoes, I think I would have a really hard time being objective about who guy who I perceive doesn't like me. And is it is not good to me. But at the same time, that is not your job. Your job is to write a fair report about the team that you cover. And I'm not saying not to be critical. There's plenty of times to be critical. They've done horrible deals and horrible things over the last 20 years. This is not me saying that this guy is good at his job. But when you don't, When you don't look at things that are right there in front of you, when you cover the team, I understand a national guy might not necessarily have the time to look into every little detail and things like that. But when you cover the team every single day, it is your job to tell us, because you're supposed to be smarter than us. You're supposed to tell us, no, this is what they're trying to do. This is actually what they're trying to do. But When you're like, no, this sucks, this sucks, why they do this, why they do that you're going to build up a level of resistance especially the fact that we don't need you as much as we did 20 years ago we can get the information from other places
1: yeah i you know it's tough because it 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 really does get into the discussion of like you know what not what what should we expect from the media but um what is you know when you know, because the media is, is a respected institution in this country as it should be. Um, and even though this isn't like, a, obviously, this isn't, the stuff that you're talking about isn't a First Amendment issue, because it's not the government we're talking about. I mean, this is a some major, you know, arguably the most high profile pro basketball franchise um, that there is, aside from maybe the Lakers. So, you know what, I'm, I I understand when people are like, you know, they should limit the coverage if it's not objective. Well, it's, it's not that easy and that's I don't know that that's the answer either um but the fact is we we do need to recognize that I you know it's there is no such thing as truly objective coverage um and everybody who writes something about the Knicks including some writers who are overly positive um you know and I I don't want to it's like there, there's I. I mean, look, I'll take my, I'll take myself to task. I if if the Knicks are thinking about doing something or the Knicks do something, my very first thought will be, all right, what what is the reasonable, reasonable, rational, rational explanation as to why they did this, and that by definition, I try to be objective. Um, I pride myself on, on trying to offer like the most objective opinion and analysis that I can, but at the same time, I can't sit here and say that like, I'm looking at something and immediately being like, oh, well, that's a stupid move. Let me look for all the reasons why it's a stupid move. No, I try to look for the positives. Um, now if I can't find the positives, I'll say that, but it, it's, you know, it's tough. And I, I, I'll, I, again, I'll, I'll borrow from my own podcast that I just got done recording with Chris Um, He said it. He's like, look, as long as – until they win on a consistent, sustainable level, um, this stuff is going to be out there, and they're going to have to deal with it. And you could either be someone that believes that it affects how much they're able to sell players on coming to this team or not. Um, And the truth is that we won't – we will not know um, ever until, you know, he doesn't own it anymore. So – um. On onwards we go, so to speak.
0: Onwards <laughs> we go. All right. So, uh, last quick point, just uh, more of a question. So, transition to this team now. So, excluding free agency, let's just let's just you know believe that the young guys are basically the, the, the main suspects of the team that we're going to have going forward for next season. Um, I was talking about this on a couple podcasts ago. I actually have a really big fear of. RJ Barrett and Dennis Smith playing together. And Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, my thing is this. So, when I watch RJ play and I watched him at Duke and I've been watching highlights and, you know, I'm really excited for Summer League and things like that, he looks like a guy that really just needs the ball in his hand to kind of go do his thing. And I look at other guys on the team and I think, man, Kevin Knox can really. Uh, use that because I think Kevin Knox, his trajectory of what he could be would be something around like a souped-up uh, JJ Reddick or like kind of like Tobias Harris's movement. His best games, if you watch them, he's moving without the ball. He's catching and shooting. He's doing a lot of those type of things. Mitch, we always know doesn't need the ball. Frankie, fingers crossed that he's still on the roster by opening day. But we know he doesn't need the ball at all on offense because he doesn't do anything with the ball. The issue is with uh, Dennis Smith because Dennis also needs the ball, and a backcourt of them together is kind of reminiscent of uh, Chris Paul and James Harden. Not saying that Dennis is Chris Paul or
1: RJ is James Harden. It, except but, neither of these guys can shoot on anywhere near the level as those exactly. Two guys.
0: Exactly, and I have yeah. a fear if this is like let the young boys play season. I can see some tension building if it's a bunch of you turn your turn my turn I get the ball when I want you get the ball when you want and there's no kind of offensive
1: game plan. So I, how do you feel about that? Oh man. Um so let me let me start with this. I think you know and and honestly um I I don't I think there were nights last year where I didn't even see this in, in as it was happening but um Dallas Amico uh, who writes for posting and toasting did just a really wonderful analysis of the Knicks offense um, at the end of the season. And and the purpose of the analysis was not to say that the offense was good. I mean, the numbers are, are what they are. And it, he confirmed the fact that it was largely a dumpster fire, but I think the misconception is that it was a dumpster fire because uh, there was like no plan um, to make it not a dumpster fire the fact is, it was a dumpster fire because the guys that were running the offense and the guys that were responsible for making decisions in the offense um, didn't do the things that they were supposed to do. And like, you know, could there have been some more movement off ball? Um, could there have been better screens set by Mitchell Robinson and Ines Cantor and all of that? Like, yeah, apps, all of those things, hundred percent true. But there was an offense there, a real. NBA offense that borrowed tenants from different areas and that if it had just been executed better um, uh, and and a lot, I, I, you know, I hate to shit on him. Uh, Sorry. I don't know. Do you, do you have curses? Just let it ride. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't mean to poop on him. Um, You know, but a lot of this goes on Emmanuel Moutier. Um, And captain. No, but he, you know, we joke about it and, and guys get on me for like you know, t- people on Twitter are like, Oh, you're a hater, you just buy into all of the all of the, the Moody A hate for, you know, you do it for clicks. I'm like, well, no, because I watched I have eyes and I watched the games last year. And there's a reason why certain players, when they're in the game, it just doesn't seem like the team is playing cohesively. And he had stretches of real brilliance this year. And I don't understate that term. He like he won them a handful of games. But then there was the other eighty percent of the time where he just completely you know, was a harbinger of death for the offense. And I'm not saying Frank was much better because he was like too tentative, you know, and then Dennis Smith was only here for 20 games before he got hurt. So we really didn't see a whole lot of what he could do. He didn't have enough time to get adjusted into the offense. The reason I go through all of this, this diatribe is this. They need to figure out this year, whether it's Dennis Smith Jr. or R.J. Barrett or whoever they're going to bring in, The person that has the ball in their hands a majority of the time for this offense, um, which to bring it full circle, gets us back to DeMarcus Cousins. Like DeMarcus Cousins has been a lot of things over the course of his career. He turns the ball over too much when he tries to post up. He, you know, um, he he posts up more than he should. He takes too many threes, or at least he did when he was in Sacramento towards the end there. Um, And in New Orleans, the dude could pass and he's a really good passer and he knows – when to pass, and he knows how to pass, and he's good at it. Um, he's really good, actually. Probably the second, eh, third, fourth best passing big man in the league. Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely up there. Him and Joker, like, I'll not, yeah. yeah, they're right around there. He's good he's, I mean, he's, he's averaged over four assists a game over the last five years of his career. Like, you don't – that's not something that most centers do. So, like, I feel confident giving that dude the ball and being like, make the right play. Because more than anything, like this team isn't going to lack for talent next year. Yeah, it's going to be raw talent, but like they're going to have guys who could do some stuff. They need to ma- have other guys to balance those guys out that make the right play, make the simple pass, make the easy read. Um, and my bi- single biggest question heading into next season, putting aside like, you know, if you add a, a superstar or something to this team. Is like, who's going to do that? And is it going to be Dennis Smith Jr.? Because RJ Barrett, we've seen that ability from him already at Duke. Like, he could make the simple pass and the easy read. And like, go back and look at his numbers when Zion was out for that stretch of games after his shoe exploded. Like, his assists went up. He averaged over four assists a game, which was, uh, you know, to dip back into our little videos that we did for MSG Network. That was fourth in the country amongst all players six, seven, or taller. Like, that dude's going to be able to make plays. Um, And Smith, it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't think the organization is bought in. Like, fully bought in. Because, like, I'm big on reading tea leaves. And, like, the one thing I know about the Knicks organization is, like, all of their different departments, um, like, PR, media... You know, the people that run the basketball team, they're in lockstep with one another. And just the fact that like we see them tweeting out videos of Knox and Mitch and Trier, um, and even Dotson. Um, you know, they had him on the MSG one fifty show, they they had him on um, you know, the Michael K show the other yesterday, I think, which would not have been a thing if they didn't okay it. Like Smith there hasn't been as much stuff. Or I, I know I'm going on like a very long-winded yeah. answer to answer a very simple too. question. What's that? Or Frankie too. Yeah. No. Or, well, but that's a different issue because we know that they're, they've been trying to trade Frank and and they, I think, want to do him a favor to try to get him into a situation where he feels more comfortable. Although now maybe with that recent video of him and um, working out in front of Fisdale and they were – Yeah, maybe they know, want to keep him. Maybe, yeah, and, and you know what? They should. Again, um, and if they, yeah, me and you are in lockstep. I think they should keep him. <laughs> And, and if yeah, and they should because, you know what, if he could just get over whatever his mental hurdle is, and there is definitely a mental hurdle there, like that's a guy that's going to be really useful on this team next year. Dennis Smith Jr., I, and I want to believe in him. Like the talent is there. 100% the talent is there. Um, But like that, if you're asking me what my biggest fear is going into next season, it's essentially not necessarily how him and RJ are going to coexist. Like you just – like, kind of prefaced it with, but, like, is he going to be able to run the offense the way the offense, like, needs to be run? Is he going to be able to make the simple play? Is he going to be able to be selfless? Um, And I don't, you know, I just, I I wish I, I want to believe that he is. Again, and this is not me disparaging his talent. The dude is, like, is uber talented. I think his shooting issues are less You know, there's some mechanic stuff there, but I think it's an above the ears thing or above the neck, whatever that phrase is. So, like, yeah, am I a little worried about it? I am. Um, That said, to try to end on a positive note, I think, like, pretty much every other young player on this team, I think we as fans have a right to be very excited. I think Knox is going to come back in a huge way, like, a really big way. Um, I think Barrett's going to be even better than people think. And I know some people have high expectations for him. If Frank is still on the opening at roster, I think he's gonna be good. And then Mitch, man, I I, I don't wanna say anything, because like I have a soft, I have a real soft spot for Mitch. I, I, I will say it again. That dude, he's gonna be special. Like he's gonna be special in a very, very significant way. And um yeah. So I'm just I'm excited, but like I would just God, I would have so much more com- confidence and comfort if I knew that they had someone that was going to have the ball in their hands a lot, um, that, that I could trust completely. And I hope, I hope Smith gets there. Um, but you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see. So yeah, man. Um, yeah, I do definitely uh, appreciate you coming through and though I'm extremely nervous about uh, what's about to happen. So I can't believe we went 39 minutes and didn't talk about Kevin Durant one time. (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's probably, probably for why. the
0: best yeah it's probably for the best so um yeah man um anything you want to plug before you know obviously um you know free agency is going to start by the time this you know comes out or maybe a
1: little bit after that um yeah anything you want to shout out and plug um no not really i mean if you're listening to this uh and you're not following me on twitter uh follow me on twitter <laughs> it's uh JC Macri MBA. um if you're not subscribed to the next film school newsletter, uh, subscribe, there's a, there's a link to subscribe to it. Um, in my, uh, homepage, uh, on Twitter. So you can find that it's free. Um, we get it out Monday through Friday. I write something in it every day. There's um, a little rundown of all of like the news items of the day. Um, so yeah, that's it. And I just, um, you know, We'll see what happens this weekend. I, I'll I'll say it again, I've said it a bunch of times. Just like a lot of Knicks fans feel, just don't do anything stupid. If you're gonna make a bad signing, make it be a one-year deal or a two-year deal, um, and then it'll be fine. You could, you could you could you could move on from those a lot easier than than anything. And it sounds like that's what they're gonna do. So um, yeah. I have hope. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, nah, man, appreciate it. Also, for a uh, fun fact, apparently the Rockets have a capella trade partner and yeah Mike I saw that listen if the Knicks can get that love it him and eric gordon love that deal
1: i do it now do it now i don't want capella because i'm actually down on capella's contract i don't like I, I see but that's a guy that you can't play with mitch at the same time like obviously of course he could be his backup yeah, but so then you're paying 18 million dollars a year for a backup, and that inevitably is going to decrease his value, and you're you're then tied to that guy for four more years. I'm I'm not. I am strictly in the camp of don't pay centers who don't do special things on offense. Um, I, like basically, other than Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, um, Jokic. Um, there's like literally no other center in the NBA that I think is worth um, paying big money to. So if you're going to – if they're, if there's some kind of a deal that gets them Eric Gordon's expiring contract essentially for free and if they have the caps – like yeah, I'd love Eric Gordon on this team. That would be great. Um, I don't want any part of Click Compella. <laughs> P.J. Right. Tucker though – P.J. Tucker, I would drive to Houston to pick up P.J. Tucker. Yeah, That dude yeah. is just – Like you want, like we were talking before about like what types of players do I ideally want on this team next year to surround these young guys with? Like, give me PJ Tucker, give me three of PJ Tucker, and just put him at any position they need on the floor. Like that would be great. I would love that. But, but yeah, man. All right, this is Daily Knicks podcast. Thank you guys again for uh, listening.